0: Hey, folks, this is Scott back for another great week of KC Greats. And, man, we are lucky this time. We've got, to me, one of the original high-profile entrepreneurs here in town that really was on the forefront of, of loving Kansas City and kind of leading the charge for us here. So I've got uh, Danny O'Neill of The Roastery today who's willing to talk to us and tell a little bit more about his story. Danny, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Well, it's, it's really cool because obviously The Roastery has become, you know, you guys are a national and worldwide brand now, but it all started right here. What, um, how, what's your backstory? How did you end up with it here in Kansas City? How'd that happen?
1: Yeah, I was... Um um, I was transferred here in 1991. Okay. So and I'm from a really small town in Iowa. So Kansas City was uh, was a big city to to me. Right? <laughs> sure. So now it feels like a small hometown in a great way. You know, it feels like that comfortable small hometown like I grew up in in Iowa. Um, but yeah, so I, I moved here in uh, March of '91, and um, and then I thought I would be here a year or two. <laughs> and, uh, but the first year, I was just, you know, year and a half, I was just traveling almost Monday through Friday. I was doing the Executive fellows program at Rockhurst, so every, alternating every Friday or Saturday, I was in school all day and then spent Sundays, uh, studying and was out over at the Nelson Atkins so, Busy times. Yeah. I didn't get to see much of Kansas City at the time. I loved it and, you know, and I didn't know if I'd be here for one year, two years, three years, whatever the case was, but, um. Boy, by the second year, I just—I pretty much knew I was never going to move. It. Very cool. Move
0: what were you doing at that at that point? I was a
1: sales and marketing manager, uh, mostly sales selling packaging. Oh, and, okay. Uh, the boxes for the red meat industry. So, real, real kind of a niche, a huge niche, uh, volume-wise, but. Um, Travel mostly around the Midwest, you know, Makes up, sense. Up to Seattle quite a bit. Most you know. of the
0: meat packers here yeah. uh, in the center of the
1: country. Exactly. Okay,
0: how does that translate into coffee? Well, it does much. That's different, really
1: <laughs> but it's foods. Um, yeah, <laughs> but the um, when growing up in Iowa, um, small town, so we uh, I started in kindergarten working on farms. And, Absolutely. Uh, when I when I was you know when I first started, I was too little to lift a bale of hay, so they had me drive the tractor. Yep been there so, yeah, yeah <laughs> so and then i and i just you know that was hard work but god i still just loved it i did most farming almost through college i did uh you know we bailed hay we tasseled corn walk beans trapped <laughs> thistles, fixed fence you know yep um every third hay rack you'd ride it back to the barn and ride a bale of hay up the elevator into the barn and nice you know it'd be God knows it. And I, 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 we never ever checked the temperature. yeah I, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, you wouldn't want to know, probably. It had to be at least 120 or more in there. The know? hay
0: rash all up and down oh, your arms, yeah. yep.
1: But that's, you know, growing up, that's what we did. I didn't really know any better and loved it and always had, you know, we always played football and motorcycles, worked, and, and then when I was a senior, I was dating an AFS student. We had one AFS student each year, a foreign exchange student. Okay. Know? And when I was a senior, uh, we had Joanne from Tasmania, from Australia, and um, we started dating, and I thought, and I was in the middle of 10 kids, and so, you know, kind of lost in, in, <laughs> in that shuffle, and, and she was getting all this attention, and I was like, well, this would be fun, and just totally random, weird, you know, that at the time I, I, that I would think to do that, so I signed up to be a foreign exchange student didn't tell my parents, didn't tell anybody, <laughs> just did it. Today, somebody would say, oh, you're very entrepreneurial. But I think back then people just thought it was just stupid and random and weird, you know? And so senior year, February of senior year, January of my senior year, I got a letter that said, We're going, you're going to Costa Rica. Oh, and to perfect. God, I didn't know where I was
0: gonna say, did you even know where no. that was?
1: Went to the encyclopedia, you know, looked up, this is 1978.
0: Say, kids, that's a big book yeah. that has a lot of information lot of in it.
1: Yeah. Um, but my gosh, and at the time I hadn't even, uh, hadn't even been on a, a jet before, hadn't, uh, um, hadn't uh, we, I don't think we had a suitcase in the family. Definitely did not have a passport or anything like that. So we scrambled, three weeks later I'm in Costa Rica and later what that, a yeah, cool experience. Yeah, didn't speak a word of Spanish. Hot, dry. Uh, oh, my God, I was homesick as hell. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, got acclimated, started school three weeks later. And later that summer, though, uh, summer in, uh, in Costa Rica in the fall, my friends were going coffee picking, so I went to coffee picking with him, even though I didn't drink coffee at the time. We're up in the mountains, just had a riot. These are your friends.
0: Well, and you understood totally. the hands-on of the agriculture. Amen. So that had to play a big yeah. connection part there. Yeah, even right wow. now,
1: I just, when you say that, I get goosebumps. I just love farmers. And people who work with their hands in the dirt are special people. And and honestly, we're in Sumatra, you know, Brazil or Costa Rica or Missouri or Iowa farmers are the, some of the coolest people. I've always thought farmers; were cool. I've always loved farmers.
0: Well, and I tell you, you want to—I don't think a lot of people realize it—but when you want to talk entrepreneurial spirit risk. and getting it done and risk reward,
1: Amen. that's
0: the original. They're it the really
1: toughest, is toughest, toughest people in the world. And I could—I would never have the guts to be a farmer. We we're just in Costa Rica, you know, about ten days ago, and um, and just seeing the climate change and what it's doing, and these guys just having to just every country we go to, the, the weather's changing so much. And before they had to fight weather since the beginning of time. Now it's this, you know, the global warming has changed so it's raining when it's not supposed to, when it never has before. It's not raining when it always was before in the rainy season. So all the trees are acting up and. You know um so they have that to deal with now too but they still have this absolute um get it done never quit this grit and the older I get the more I appreciate grit and the more the more that is like the for me the like if you're gonna you can't predict success but I can almost say you know the people I've known that they don't have grit it's highly unlikely it's still hard as you know it's hard to do, anything yeah. to do. But, but the farmers have the most grit. So anyway, I I went cool. picking coffee and just just flipping loved it. Even though I didn't drink coffee, I just loved it. And um, my my host mother, who I still very close to in my family, told the story last week again in Costa Rica in front of everybody how how horrible I was at coffee picking <laughs> and how the money that I made didn't cover the cost of the, the lunch that I took. And how much I <laughs> ate on this, but. But that's kind of, and I came back and started undergrad at Iowa State right away and started drinking coffee through my first finals, um, which is kind (laughs) of interesting. So the generation before us, most of them started drinking coffee, a them on the farm or in the service. Yeah. And then my generation, most of us were in in college um, finals. And then today now, the average age of drinking coffee is 14.3 years old in their junior high. Yeah. That's interesting
0: because yeah. this morning I made a small cup for my thirteen-year-old
1: daughter. Oh, how cool
0: is that! <laughs> it was as before, we drove to school. So That's yeah, awesome. I mean it's it's not quite as strong as something that that I would have, but yeah, yeah. they That's, they do have an interest earlier. Yeah,
1: and it's so interesting, you know. Every almost every developing country we go to, most of the countries we go to are developing countries, but. Um, Almost all of them, you know, there's coffee in the bottles, you know, with with the babies. There's coffee all grown up. It's just, it's never, we didn't, they didn't have to go through that learning, unlearning experience that we've had. Where You know, only in the last 25 years that we realized all the health benefits of coffee and all this ridiculous wives' tale stuff that was repeated mindlessly, you know.
0: I'm guessing, and, and as a, as a, growing up a farmer, Uh, My folks owned a general store and there was a little tiny, you know, table in the corner every morning at about 730. Was it free? Uh, I think it may have been a quarter or a dime, you know, or the coffee was free and the donuts were 50 cents. But, you know, five or six of the old farmers before they started would come and it would be a social event for the day. And I'm guessing that probably is what you grew up seeing and then connected it with other countries um, you know, Turkey, the Middle East in general, the Central American cultures and everything. Coffee is a social thing. Yep. Always, so always been. In America, we haven't had that outside of something like the the farm community, but you're kind of bringing that outside yeah. of that. Yeah, church
1: basements, you yeah. know. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, it was, it was, it's always been that. Uh, I, I love it for that reason. I never was, you know, smart enough to think about that to think about, oh, get a product that people want to consume every day or get a product that will bring people together. That was never on my mind. It was never I was just never smart enough to have any kind of strategic plan or anything like that, but I just loved it and craved it and loved it so much. I was dreaming about it every night and today people say, oh cool, he's a coffee geek or he's a wine geek or he's a chocolate geek, but in the late 80s, it, it was anything but I mean, honestly, <laughs> nobody called me a geek, and in, in meant it flattering. It was always a, he's a geek in a, in a weird sense. So, but anyway, but I couldn't just let it go, and I kept dreaming about it, so I wasn't sure what to do. Again, this is 92, and there is no coffee culture in the Midwest to speak of, right? Nope. And uh, But I was staying, I was going to Seattle at least once a quarter, and um in San Francisco from time to time and I thought, Wow, if I could just find fifty people who drank as much coffee as me, which is an insane amount, but if I could find fifty people I wouldn't have to go I could make a living, not have to go back to corporate. So today somebody would quit their job but they'd do it, they'd be cool, they'd be at a corporate drop off. But in ninety two, ninety three That was a, scary. It was man. not cool. Yeah, the economy was bad and here I got this promotion, this big raise, and now I want to quit. And so I had to—I didn't quit. I was a—I was scared, you know. And I, so I took a years' leave of absence.
0: Well, and it's a different in that era, pre-internet. Making that brand and yeah. making that name was not was not the same no. as it is now. To just to reach those fifty people, you can go out now and get your Facebook Live video right. to reach fifty people in an hour. But to reach fifty people with print marketing or yeah. you know radio or TV or whatever it face is. To face. That's really difficult in that era. Yeah. It so, took a hundred days wow. before
1: I made one single sale. Wow. In a pound of coffee in nineteen ninety three was three dollars and seventy five cents. And actually, I have a meeting today this afternoon with the KU Med folks, and we're going to celebrate that they were our first customer. In,
0: uh, I was just going to say, December is of, that first customer still around? Oh yeah.
1: And we had, we're 23, a uh, little over 23 years old. And when we had a 20-year anniversary, we we had um, we invited our first 20 customers, and 18 of them showed up. And they're <laughs> still customers. Oh. You so. see
0: that that legacy, that to me is what speaks volumes about where we're at, and and you've chose to stay here. Yeah, you know, undoubtedly through the growth that you guys have seen here at, at the roastery, you've probably had opportunities to either have extreme outside yeah. partnership or acquisition, or just simply move to somewhere that somebody says, hey, your logistics are gonna be you know, easier to manage on the West Coast, or something like that. Why, why, why here, other than just loving Kansas City? There's gotta be something more.
1: You bet, well, you know, you and I have similar backgrounds in small town community uh, Midwest. So if, if, if anybody had any errors about them, you know in my case it was the nuns or priests they were, somebody was going <laughs> to whack you back into your, so it was never never has been about like me or money and then um i was so set on what we were going to do and there's there's people at brand shop created national brands and you know more power to them that just has never done anything for me i never needed that from an ego point of view or from a self-confidence or anything like that i'm good i was good you know probably by 1995 i thought you know we probably had more revenue than i ever thought we would ever make and you know that's 22 years ago so it's never been about the money it's all for me i just have this intense energy and endurance but i'm like the biggest wuss if it's not fun <laughs> you know i am like really i am like if you need to i've driven the panama twice i can i drove to Panama in six days. I,
0: that sounds like an awesome adventure.
1: Oh, it was awesome. Uh-huh. I could get in the car right now and drive to either coast nonstop, and I've done it. I'm that kind of energy, but if it's not fun, I don't want to sit down for an hour. So back in the day, I did I did the Monday through Friday routine. I did 6 a.m. flights. There is no amount of money that anybody could pay me to get on a 6 a.m. flight to go anywhere. in um, that kind of... Is some, I mean, kind of symbolic for what what gets me up in the morning and what doesn't. And I'm, you know, we're, oh my God, I hope every, everybody's experience that with our brand is. You, I hope they meet humble people. I hope they meet grateful people. I hope they meet servant uh, leaders that don't say they're servant leaders, but actually just serve. And they just yeah. they're just like hospitality folks that get this intrinsic reward for serving other people. You get that if you're in the right fit. In our industry, I think, you serve people, it makes you feel good. And if somebody notices and somebody says, thank you, that's icing on the cake, you know. Sure. So, several years ago, I thought about this when my mom passed away, and she had um, hospice workers come. And I was just watching them, and I thought, they are the closest to angels I've ever could come across. And then when my mom passed on, there they packed up their stuff, and they went down the road. Small Iowa. But a heart wrenching he again job and, you know, every they're day. They're not paid anything. I mean, no. they look. So and I was just thinking about that, looking at them, watching them, they're not do- they weren't doing it for us. They were do- they're doing it for who they serve. And I thought mean, in a different way. That's that's what we're about. We're we're there to serve other people. And again, we don't go beat that on our chest. We don't go sermonize that. Hopefully we're sure. doing it in uh Hundreds and thousands of transactions that we do every week. You know, hopefully, we're just every one of those people feel that. Um, so, and then here in the Midwest, I just, and the more I travel, the more I love the Midwest. I just so totally connect, and I'll, I'll almost always ask where somebody's from. If they're Midwest, I'm, I'm just good. And not <laughs> that I'm not good if they're not. Sure. But I can. It's so predictive. They're gonna, by and large, they're gonna do what they say. They're gonna show up. Um, they're gonna keep their word it, they're not gonna be um, you know snarly and nasty um i just i just love it and um, so and then we'll travel i i feel there's that old cliche think global act local or something to that effect yeah i think you have to go out there and see the world i'm Absolutely. totally a fan a huge that, travel right? fan yeah but then um but as far as like I just feel, and I, I've said this for years, as far as I'm concerned, our sun rises and sets on Kansas City. We have we have customers in every state. Love them all. Um, but we're not going to get on the plane and go make sales calls in San Diego or Florida or something like that. You know? We're, yeah. we're. I love, and I'm old enough too, that I remember as a kid, we'd go to Omaha, and there was an explosion of new brands that were, breweries there, mm-hmm. and bread companies and candy companies and soda pop companies. Um, and I just love that. And then as I got older, um, everywhere I went, there were these the explosion of these new brands. And then through the 70s, all that went away. Everything kind of got just homogenized. Dying. Right? So there was Wonder Bread and, and Budweiser and everything got consolidated and went away. And then pretty soon you'd get to a different town and there'd be a you know, a Barnes & Noble, or there'd be a Starbucks, there'd be a Holiday Inn in and, and a Pottery Barn in Yuck, you know? Um, so we started in 93 with a, kind of a made local, roasted fresh daily in Kansas City. Um, and from day one, um, I had this UPS map, and and I thought, <laughs> well, that's what, I want to do a one day UPS. Perfect. That, and that's it. You know me. it's fresh. And it's still it. So, yeah, roast it roast to order and somebody could go from Wichita, Oklahoma City or Des Moines or Omaha and call us today by two o'clock. We would roast it, blend it if we needed to blend it, ship it. If we can't make four o'clock, we can go to West Bodwins by eight PM, which I did hundreds of times when I roasted in my <laughs> house, you know. And they'd have it tomorrow morning. So That's... that was our that was our deal.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, In your travels, I think you mentioned this earlier, but the humility of Kansas City and the Midwest and everything, it's great, but some people almost take it at times too far. It's almost apologetic, you know, when you're out there and we don't have anything to apologize for here. It is a fantastic place. So, I mean, you've kind of worked to break that down too, just because of your love of town
1: but yeah and I, and I think uh i think those of us who aren't from here it's easier right we don't need to apologize yeah. uh, there's nothing to apologize for and then and then i think too this probably gets more into psychology maybe we want to but if i'm criticizing anything i always think that says a lot more about me Didn't than what, you're it, what i'm criticizing sure right so look at kansas city and my god you know I have a mentor, Henry Block, and I have a mentor, uh, Barnett Helper, and dozens and dozens of other folks like Neil Patterson and Cerner. Not one, there's been one person, honest to God, there's been one person since 1993 that I asked somebody for help for, and they said no. But hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people have.
0: I think that is, to me, just in in the short history of doing this little talk, that's what's amazed me the most. People are willing. Oh my gosh, yeah. and, and and I don't think you get that elsewhere. I mean, yeah. we're in a city of almost two million people. Yeah. It's big. And the names that you just mentioned are historic names for business here in Kansas City. Yeah. What motivation do they have other than seeing a good legacy continue? Yeah. That's that's really cool to hear. Yeah, they're really totally cool.
1: accessible. Don Comal, you know, I've met with him a number of times. Um and they all, you know, Dan Hesse at at, at Sprint, um, you—they just are all accessible. Now, they everybody's incredibly busy, right? And sure. You're incredibly busy. You have a family, but um, that's just, it's just very, very different here. And then, plus, then now if we take a, a go back to the travel part, we you know we're two hours and ten minutes from LaGuardia. We're two hours and thirty minutes from San Francisco. We're an hour from Denver, you know. The moms and skiing. We're, you know, hour and a half from Atlanta, hour and a half from Houston. Um, that's easy, and it's a it's a drag that we don't have a hub. But for the most part, it's great that we don't have a hub, because our tickets are so much less expensive yeah, that than else, as You know, even back when I first moved here in the '90s, before I started the company, I thought, oh my god, for the cost of living here, I could take an international trip just about once a month. Mm-hmm. and be way better off than all my friends on either coast. Oh, it's they were just unbelievable. Doing, yeah Just doing everything just to pay the rent and live, you know, and their quality of life is so much different um, But I but I having said that I will just absolutely sing the praises in my sleep of Kansas City but then I would say to anybody living anywhere, you know, don't bitch do something if so. If this is see it, something. Yeah, fix it. Yeah, right. If you don't like your house, then move. You don't like your <laughs> job, then do something you love. Don't, don't bitch. And that's the other thing I love about entrepreneurs, you know, and and people that you run with. Um, honestly, I never had a, a meeting since 1993 with a bunch of entrepreneurs where anybody's been bitching. Everybody's just problem solving and just doing what they can to run through walls. You know, get things done. You're, God, this happened. Oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? You don't hear, you know, no, no one's been talking about government contracts or what they have to do here or there. It's just always, it's always uplifting. It's always positive.
0: Yeah, and I think there's, in every setting like that, there's always somebody who says, "Hey, I know so and so. They might be able to help you out. I know they went through something similar." Yeah. And it's always a name that you don't expect. They're like, yeah. why would they talk to me?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this has been your experience, but when I when I started, um, I was so just just naive and so ill-equipped and unprepared. And- God knows. Thank God I didn't know what I didn't know, but, um, I was a poli sci guy. I had one business class undergrad and, and I just never ever thought of, I still don't think I know that much about business. I, I know, I tend to know people. I can see patterns and stuff like that. But, um, when I was, when I was starting out, um, what I kept hearing, I come to, let's say I came to somebody like yourself and I wanted to sell stuff coffee. I, that was why I was there. And, it took probably 15 years to fully appreciate what actually happened. But the Scots of the world would say, "Well, you know who you got to talk to," and I would be like,
0: oh, no, oh, I don't want to. Go. I want to sell you coffee."
1: And now, today, including that phone call I took a little bit ago, somebody said, "Well, you know who you got to talk to." Man, I called him. He called me back, and and look what happens. Yeah, and that is, oh, I, I, I live for that moment. You know, I live for it.
0: The connection to me is, I think, a very similar feel. I, I really enjoy that, making that connection between folks. And mm. I think that's that's a Midwestern thing for certain. That's a yeah. theme.
1: And you're not going anywhere, right? So I think we have a longer time frame. Yeah. So and I'm an insanely impatient person. <laughs> but um, if somebody says, well, you should talk to Kenny or You should talk to, you know, Bob Anderson. I'm going to go, I'm going to talk to him. And, um. It's interesting, two days ago, my, one of my little brothers was going to Thailand and Malaysia and got to the airport. <laughs> he shouldn't have known better, but you can't travel mostly to, outside the country if you don't have at least six months long passport. Exactly. So he has five and a half months. Oh. So he texts me, and I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> and I said, but listen. <laughs> Here's what's going to be, I already know this is going to happen. I said, there's always unintended consequences, and I count on them. I I count on them. I can't wait to see what they are. So this is going to be interesting. Something cool is going to happen as a result of this. Text me when you know what it is. So a couple hours later, he says, oh, my God, I got it it expedited overnight. I leave tomorrow afternoon on the same flight. Perfect. Well, I don't think that's it. Uh, let me know let me know how your trip keep watch so yeah so but i think um that's i mean that's what it it maybe it's more philosophy but for me it's uh i come on unintended consequences all the time that when we went into retail after 12 years i knew it was going to be insanely hard we didn't know anything about retail i knew i was going to be embarrassed at you know how we performed at times and stuff but i also counted on there being a lots of unintended consequences and we started a canning line here uh, about a month ago we knew exactly zero about how to you know buy and operate a canning line but i just knew there was going to be neat fun unintended consequences you're about to do it again right yeah.
0: first drive-through type location yeah. there's gonna have to be some some interesting growth there
1: i call it brain damage <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and we've had that discussion countless times. That you know, well, what do we know about um, drive-throughs? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) But in '92, we didn't know anything about coffee roasting, and we didn't know anything about cafes. But we don't say that. um, I kind of make fun of myself and ourselves a lot. We don't say that arrogantly or pompously. We just know it's going to be hard, sure, and we're going to figure it out, and then. And then I can't tell you how many people we've reached out to locally. Folks at Spin, Michael Smith, (laughs) and Selena Teal, all sorts of folks. Uh, Colby Garretts and Megan, um, people who run multiple units, Oklahoma Joe's guys. Um, Everybody's been just excited and helpful. And, um, yeah, so um, now if I were on an island and had to do it myself, I would be scared to death. I really would be. we just have we have so many folks that are just ready to help us. And the other point part about Kansas City is, I don't think the local guy, I don't think the local guy should get subsidized. I have a I have this expression: local guy wins all ties. You mm-hmm. know, so we do everything we can to do business locally, and always have. And um, and that's the other thing about small town. In my case, Iowa. You know, your case, Missouri. Um, there's a dove factor there. I live in this town, so I'm going to. Why would I not treat it it well? Oh my gosh. Our little town, if somebody bought a car somewhere else, (laughs) everybody knew where they bought a car. Yeah, you better
0: pry that little sticky tag off the back if it's from the city. Yeah, a general store or wherever (laughs) else.
1: And then, you know, when it was time to go get money for a Kiwanis Club or go get money for a float or something like that, you know. It's a loyalty thing. Absolutely. But there's also, uh, you know, sometime back we got this award. and from Michael Porter at, at Harvard in Boston, and he was talking about um, uh, it was an inner city 100 award, so it's late 90s. And he was talking about the uh, economic benefits of operating in inner city and you know, waxing on about all this, how we were smart, and da 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 da. And you know, I just said a few words and I said, Oh my god, that sounded so good! but <laughs> we were lucky. I wanted an old neighborhood. I wanted an old building. I wanted charm. I I never thought about the uh, economic benefits of anything that you said. I never thought about the how close we were to transportation. So when we're down here, we're a minute from our customers on the, on downtown. We were three minutes from the plaza. Well, um, can you
0: use right up the hill? Yeah,
1: uh, it's perfect. But we never ever, that was never in our mindset, you know. Um, so operating in the you know in the Midwest in, in Doing business locally, there's a dove factor. Well, why would you do that? You don't. You know, I'm not gonna pat my back.
0: Don't you're, overthink it too much. Yeah, and yeah. for doing
1: the right thing, you should do. it You yeah, know, I good. have all kinds of nuns in the back of my head saying, "Well, you should do that. You should <laughs> do that." But you should. You know, some of this stuff, it's it, it's kind of coming back around. You know, just sustainable, just where you. Um, we, we won an award one time for sustainability and there was a gal from home like that one too, Carol, in charge of their sustainability. And I said, and this is in the same bucket in my mind, and, and, um, she's, I said, when it was my turn, I said, you know, I really appreciate it. I'm grateful. Thank you. Thanks on behalf of the team. But honestly, there's 3 million people in Iowa right now. If they, if they saw me getting this right now, they'd go, well, duh! Why would you throw something out that's perfectly good? See, that's the we
0: that's didn't the grow up that way, right? yeah, that's the basis of were, using something, whatever it's laying around. Yeah, use it.
1: Yeah, but you know? I mean, can you have, you didn't grow up somebody saying, oh, God, that is really sustainable. You no. harvested that. <laughs> somebody say, well, you idiot! You're an idiot <laughs> if you throw away that something perfectly good. Why would you throw that away? Yeah, there'll know? be a
0: use for it someday. Yeah, maybe. but there's
1: uh. We just, I just think that was just all built into how a lot of us grew up in the Midwest. If you weren't like patted in the dump back for reuse, recycling something. You were stupid if you didn't. And, uh, <laughs> That's good. But yeah. I'm, and I'm, all, I'm good with that. You know, I even that little drive-thru we're doing next door, it would have been so less expensive to just scrape it and yeah. start over, you know. And same way with Brookside, our store, you know. That was an old amico from right after World War II. Yeah, there's good history there. We would have, you bet. And I'm glad, and and we're hauling out concrete and hauling in dirt, and almost everything that we've done has been that We're hauling out chain link fence and hauling in landscaping. Um, But I'm just, I'm just a fan of keeping, you know, not throwing something away and keeping it bootstrapping it.
0: Okay, so that brings me to, I'm sure you've told this story before, but I always want to know about the DC 3. Uh, Just, yeah. I, I got a little aviation background. Oh, cool. um, and studying it. what a lot of people probably don't know is the military variant, the C 47. That, that was a workhorse yeah. of things like the uh, Berlin Airlift and yeah. stuff like that. What was that like? And mm-hmm. absolutely. So, in Central America, and uh, I was in Africa last year, places like that. These things still fly. Yeah, They're absolutely. still the the workhorse yeah. in a lot of areas of the yeah. world. What, why why this one? Yeah. What what brought it to you, man? It's awesome.
1: Yeah, you bet. Um, well, and it's a lot easier to brag about someone that's not your idea. So that wasn't my <laughs> idea, although I loved it. Right. Um, I'm an Art Deco fan. Just everything Art Deco. I love. I always thought it was born thirty years, forty years. Very late. cool. You know, just love that era. Um, but we wanted, uh, I had this ugly art, uh, this ugly, uh, uh, sketch of a logo on my own when I started and one of my first uh, customers in Brookside convinced me to go talk to one of her friends who was an artist and, uh, they had a firm called Basta Costa, it was Jimmy Costa and Francis Boston. I still see Francis, lover, lover. That's a great and, name. Yeah. And, um, and Jimmy said, well, i would change a few things. I said, well, what would you change? He goes, I'm. Give me a couple of weeks, um, let me look at it. Let me think about it. So I came back to him. a couple of weeks later and had this huge table, probably 30, 40, 50 books. And they were all opened up to different airlines or nice. uh, airplanes. And I saw the dc and I was like, oh my God, I've always loved this plane. It's iconic. Yeah. It just and is. And he said, well, you, you, what you do is so unique. Nobody air roasts. You're the only air roaster I've ever heard of. And I think today we're probably less than 1% of roasters are air roasters. So he said, "Call attention to it. Air roasting, airplane." Okay. And then he said, "When I talk to you, it's always adventure." I goes, "I've never been to any of these countries you've been to, but God, it just—it's like Jake Peterman. I just can follow <laughs> you through this, you know, your travels." Oh, that's and, great. And then I thought about the Indiana Jones. You know that? Where the yeah. Drawing there. the little red line yeah. on the map. That's cool. So, so that was. Uh, so then, that was it. That was uh, December 1993. That we uh, did that, and then uh, it was funny. I had twelve thousand dollars saved. No, I had seventeen thousand saved up. So twelve thousand went for the roaster, a thousand for the training, and twenty five hundred went for the logo in nineteen ninety three. And I'm down to nickels and pickles, you know. <laughs> and um, but my gosh, I just loved it. And then years later, I've always loved it. So the other thing about it I love, I love transformi- transformative stuff. Mm-hmm. I love. I love second uses. I'd much rather have an old building and transform it, an old car, an old anything, right? So, um, what was I gonna say about that? Um, Oh, I I forgot my train of thought on the the airplane. Oh, so the the DC-3 then, as I got to know it more and more, um, it was the first plane in the history of mankind that could haul people and pay for itself. And not have to be subsidized by government or mail or anything like that so it ushered in it was a new of era the, pardon
0: totally new era yeah
1: totally right just it was just crazy in the downtown airport you could just look at thousands of pictures of the dc3s you know bringing movie stars and people across the country yeah
0: and the twa history here yeah. it, it, that's huge a lot of people we've forgotten that somewhat yep. it was a
1: big big part yeah. of building oh, kansas huge. city yeah, totally. So, so, um, so then we got to know uh, uh, Bob Dawson out in Iowa, Kansas. And when we put in the uh, our cafe in Leewood, so this was maybe seven or eight years ago, um, somebody went in there, a friend of Bob's, and, and somebody that knew me, and saw the big DC3 mural and said, took Bob and said, Bob, you gotta, you gotta come see this. And and he saw that mural and goes, I want to meet this guy. And so I went out to Ottawa, Kansas, and and uh, of course there are four DC three sitting there. Oh like, wow! And never get goosebumps right now, all these years later, just thinking about that image. And I said, Oh my God, I would love to have a DC three. And he said, uh, Yeah, what would you do with it? I said, Oh, that we could never <laughs> afford one. I said, But you know, couldn't afford it. Couldn't afford to fly it. Probably put it on the roof or something. And he goes, uh, Yeah. And so that was a Wednesday. He called me later. I called him back. By Friday, we bought the plane. Oh, and, uh, perfect. And then the the way it's set up there, you know. Oh, integrated takeoff, into the is Wonderful. totally the architect. Who did That's a that, great idea. Elizabeth, yeah. And then we ended up getting a, another one. Of those four planes, we got two of them. Because the next one was a C-47. And we have a little place up in Excelsior in the farm. I have that there were developing is we call it camp coffee and uh the kids from children of mercy come up once a summer and they have a camp O'Donnell up there and then they come by the farm and they can be a pilot We for oh, gay rides and uh it's awesome and then yeah it's just you know we have a we're gonna have a flat screen in it and uh and just watch movies but uh i just sit there and stare at it I oh just yeah it. it gives me i feel like uh almost you know, like i do like it sounds weird but like i do in church you know, do you crazy. have
0: at least a little of the backstory on the airframe where it came all from hand, where all, it originated yeah that oh, like, that's the best
1: 43 c47 oh yeah, that's the best almost well all the ones that we've looked at um almost all of them were mosquitoes raiders in florida huh. and they've almost all been you know They've been spraying. That can't be good. Just a <laughs> that's point. a whole nother deal. <laughs> oh my gosh! Since the 50s, they've been spraying nonstop down there. It can't be good. But um, that's what they were. So each of these, in a weird way, um, I read a, a book on Steve Jobs, and his dad was a cabinet maker, and he would. There's a part of the book that his, he would fight with his dad about why make the inside of the cabinet look so well before you put the cover on, nobody would know. And his Steve Jobs said, his dad said, I know. know." And so each of the airplanes that we have are in the same condition that they were on their last flight. All the flight controls are in, the radios are in. um, And they, they could have flown out of, you know, Ottawa. So anyway, up there, we, and we just went up there, uh, Oh, we had the guys from get up there because it's 75 feet up out there. It's hard to get to, and electrical wires and all sorts of things, so it takes a little bit of a feat. And one of the windows was open a little bit, so we closed the window. We had put an aluminum uh, time capsule box in there with all the stuff from the, um, some of the reels from the news program. That's very from city cool. city started when they were here. But when that went up, we had like seven or eight uh, World War II DC-3 pilots, and one of them stood across the street and had a picture of him, and just tears running down his cheeks. he did sixty three or sixty seven trips over, over the hump in Burma in World wow. War II, and they just it was just so powerful. oh it was so cool
0: well that that's awesome. but it's just iconic, you know yeah, in, uh, it absolutely is
1: and we wanted to, we wanted it up there to say, not look how cool we are, but Look how cool that is, and that have plane <laughs> up there absolutely and that was it you know so our logo's not on the plane, or uh my kids' names are on there, but there's you know there's no grocery sign on the plane it, it It's just simple we wanted it to be simple and elegant and and timeless well
0: it, it it sure I think it does it so yeah, well, I you. love seeing it as as you come down thirty five and see it yeah. off there, like it's just coming up to meet you so. Yeah. Well, Danny, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of a busy day. Thank you. Um, I got one last question yeah. that I ask everybody, and I think you'll be a great one for this. But I always want to know what somebody's hidden gems in Kansas mm-hmm. City are things that you may have discovered that you think everybody should know about. I mean, bars, restaurants, parks, charities, anything like that.
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah um i love uh well suicide hill is not exactly a a hidden gem but it's over there sure that's okay and and totally just absolutely love it um um, aloha chopsticks on rainbow down from ku med is always a little fun place you know Um, uh let's see and then uh, we probably touch about 150 or 200 charities every year and really, honest to God, if it's your cause, there's no cause more important than the next one, right? I sure. totally feel that. But um, My wife volunteers full-time for Phoenix Family, Okay. and that's for, uh, you know, people living on fixed incomes, and they're some of the most humble, beautiful, grateful people that there are, that, you know, that are out there. So I just, I love touching them. And they have 13 or 15 houses around. Um Church of the Resurrection downtown, absolutely love that. They are just, um, they get out and get it done. They don't talk about what people should do. They go out and get it done and very transformative. In fact, building the first church in over 80 years, downtown Kansas City, which is super cool, right across from Kansas City Star Plant. Very nice. Um, Love that. Um, you know, just, there's so many places that I love, the majestic downtown, um, Again, certainly not a hidden gem, but uh, anything to do with Jack's back, Jack's back. anything, <laughs> I can just uh, go crazy on that. Um, Roselle Court at the Nelson has always been a place I just Well, lived. yeah, you
0: said you studied yeah,
1: that. Yeah, just get, uh, it's, you know, solitude, you can see people you know there if you want, but it's just, uh, just a really good space of, um, yeah, just real tranquil. Piece, you
0: know very good ones um, very good yeah i have a feeling you could go on forever on I, I, I think you, yeah that's okay man yeah. it's great people need to hear it you know yeah. but yeah, yeah this has been fantastic people are gonna to me people are gonna love just hearing the the details of the story so thank you very much uh, for taking you, the time so this has been a blast so have a great so day good luck You know, after listening to that, there's there's not really much that I can say to enhance Danny's story. I mean, it's just great. To me, it's, it's really a classic tale of somebody who made a decision to do what he loves, do it smart, and just never look back. So I think the great thing about him keeping his business here in Kansas City is not just the local economic impact. That's fantastic. But really, It's a source of inspiration for those of us around here. So, you know, try this out. Uh, If you're feeling a little frustrated or you just need a little pick-me-up, feel-good time someday, pack up your laptop, get down to the roastery's main location, and work for a morning or an afternoon there. As you are there and you look around, just remember that everything around you started with somebody just like you. And it's not a get-rich-quick story. It's just a great Kansas City story about hard work and a love for that work that that brought it to where it is today, something great that we can all appreciate. So huge thanks, as always, to Danny and Melissa Scott, his assistant, who helped make everything work for us. So if you're enjoying this, I'd ask you to please subscribe or give a review on iTunes if you uh, go that direction, or just share it with a friend. Really appreciate you taking the time. I'm Scott, I'll see you next time.